preach the first message. Um, but I, I need to correct myself. Um, I, I said that Simeon was the temple priest, but it was Eli. And uh, I said that Samuel was eight days old, and I don't know how old he was. I didn't. I haven't looked it up, but he was older than eight days when he was taken to the temple and turned over. So I want to. I want to be sure and clarify that and get that right. I appreciate somebody bringing that to my attention. As I said, I'm getting old. And uh, when you can't remember your birthday, it's hard to remember who the temple priest was back in the, before Christ. So, uh, but anyway, Eli was right, correct. I knew enough that it was correct. But anyway, um, we're talking about Elijah, Elisha, not Elijah, Elisha, where he, uh, do any of you remember what Elisha asked for when they, uh, when he was appointed, asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Now, that's, that's kind of odd. God was replacing Elijah because, because God didn't like his negativity, but yet, when Elisha got in there, Elisha knew Elijah well enough to know that he wanted a double portion of his spirit, which wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt me to have a double portion of Elijah's spirit. And uh, But the thing about it is, is um, Elisha's an interesting character. I mean, we, we won't get into all of it probably Sunday week. Uh, we'll probably get into a little more of Elisha's life and his but the thing I want you to see in both of these and that's what I'm hoping that will come out of it it maybe it may it may not that uh, what it means to follow the Lord that's the key to, to all of this what does it mean to follow the Lord and um, you you can find that uh, a lot of these um, these people, they stopped exactly what they were doing and started following the Lord. And they followed him until, I guess, death took them out of this world. And uh, that's what I want us to see. That's what I want us to understand. I want us to understand that uh, there means more when we say we're following Jesus. I see it all the time on Facebook. I see all of this, you know, that we're following Jesus if we're following the Lord, then we better be busy and we better be getting walking in his footsteps and following him and what he would have us do and what he would have us say. You know, God knows who is who he's looking for to to carry the mantle of Elijah. God knew who he was looking for. I want, you to, I want you to listen to this. And this, this is interesting. God called Moses while he kept the flock of Jethro. Exodus 3 and verse 4. God called Gideon 
while he was thrashing wheat. Judges 6 and verse 11. God, God called David while he, he watched the sheep. Psalm 78, 70. God called Amos while he was a herdsman. Amos 1, 1. All the apostles were called while they were at some kind of work. And what does the Bible say about every one of these that is, that is key? Every one of them immediately started following. They didn't, they didn't say that we got to get things together. We got to do this. We got to have this done. We got to do this. We got to do that. No. They immediately left what they were doing and they followed him. And that's, uh, that's the key to following the Lord, you know. We can't say we're following the Lord when we follow him today and maybe not follow him tomorrow. We can't say we're following the Lord when we may follow him this Sunday and not follow him next Sunday. Uh, you know, you can't say that. These people immediately left what they were doing and they, they followed the Lord just like uh, Elisha was uh, plowing ground. When uh, when he left uh, that, and we know that the Bible says that he he boiled his oxen and and fed it to the people, he he wasn't going to go back doing that anymore. You know that um, that was one of the things that really bothered me many years ago. Really bothered me many years ago because you know God called me. When I was, I had a job, was working. God called me and, um, I stayed at that job, but one thing that was, to me, was different than maybe what some of these are, that I started pastoring, um, Friendship Baptist Church in, in, uh, April of, of 19 and, um, hold on, 1984, I believe it was, I started pastoring uh, Friendship Baptist Church, but in all the time I was there six years, then, then I came over here, and all that, all that time I never missed a funeral, I never missed uh, somebody going to the hospital, going with them. I never missed uh, uh, anything that had to do with the church as a result of that. And God always made a way. And, and I thank God today for doing that. I, you know, I didn't realize when I, when I went to talk to my boss in Savannah and told him that I was thinking about going full-time in the ministry, and he said, what is it that you have to do in the ministry that you can't do this too? And uh, I said, well, the ministry calls for a lot of things. It calls for funerals. It calls for weddings. It calls for uh, uh, going to the hospital, visit the sick. And he said, well, let me tell you. He said, I look right here. He said, you've got eight days of vacation this year. Or eight weeks of vacation this year, and he said, "You've got forty some weeks saved up." He said, "Why can't you just use those?" 
I said, will you let me do that? He said, sure I will. He said, anytime you need off for anything, you just let me know. And and it, it was like that. I never missed anything. And Sam and Kara knows that. They were there. I never missed anything. It was just, I was just like a full-time pastor. Because I was always there for everybody. Well, uh, these people laid down whatever they were doing. They followed the Lord. They never, they never went back to doing what they were doing. Uh, they never went back to those things that God had called them from. Elisha, Elisha's calling came suddenly and very strangely by Eli casting a mantle over his head. Now, can you imagine? I, I don't know if, if Elijah sneaked up on him and threw that mantle over his head. I don't know. I know, I know if he did, it probably scared him to death. But, uh, a strange way, it's a strange way of calling somebody is to run and throw your overcoat over their head. But God does things in different ways. He calls people in different ways. He calls them for his work in different ways. That's the reason, you know, I tell a lot about my experience of being called to the ministry. But God, you young fellas here, you know, God doesn't necessarily call everybody that same way. God calls them in different ways and, 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 you know, it, it's amazing how God deals with his people. You know, God doesn't, God doesn't wait till, uh, somebody's over a job or done with a job or something like that to call them. When God gets ready to call somebody, he calls them. He doesn't care what they're doing. I told a preacher one time, there was a, there was a mission in Hopkinsville, Kentucky that was looking for a mission, they were looking for a pastor. And I told a young preacher, I told him, I said, well, this would be a good opportunity for you to go and, uh, and to go and, and start you pastoring. And Brother Clyde Hancock had called me about this brother and uh, about him coming up there because the mission was out of Brother Clyde Hancock's church. And uh, Brother Clyde Hancock called him. He told Brother Clyde Hancock, he said, my wife is uh, is the, uh, she, she's got a county job where she holds office. Brother Clyde Hancock told him, he said, I don't care if your wife is president of the United States. He said, if God is calling you up here to pastor this mission, that's where you need to be, where you need to come. But he never did go. This this is what this is what the ministry is like. I've heard people say, "Well, that's why a lot of people don't want to get into the ministry." You don't get into the ministry; you're called into the ministry. You don't wait until a certain time in your own life to get into the ministry. You're called into the ministry. Some of you young men, you just you never know. Some of you young men at that church, we don't have any of them here right now. But some of you young men may be called into the ministry. 
And you realize God God doesn't doesn't always call you like that. God God calls people in different ways. That's how he called Elisha. We don't we don't know we don't know too much about it. And in second we know that one thing we know that Elijah did not throw that mantle over the wrong man's head. I've, I've had a many, I've, I've had a many of a preacher that have come and talked with me. Had one not too long ago that was just called into the ministry. He didn't come talk me. He called me and wanted to know some. One had some questions, and uh, you know I. I told him, just like I told one young preacher came to see me one time. He said, uh, he said, what do I do if I believe the Lord's calling me into the ministry? I said, run just as hard as you can. I said, I mean, I said, I mean, take off and run. He got mad at me. He got mad at me, got upset with me. And he went to see his granddaddy. He told his granddaddy what I said, and his granddaddy told him, said, he told you right. He said, I'm telling you the same thing. He said, you better run as hard as you can. Because if you can run away from it, you're not called. You can't run away from God's calling. None of you can. Some of you may think, I can make my own decision. No, you can't. I tried it. I tried making my own decision, but it won't work. It doesn't work at all. You know, I, I'd already been okayed for a house. I, I, I said when I knew God was calling me into the ministry, I, I said, well, if, if a, if a person get, if a man gets in debt, God doesn't want a man in the ministry that's in debt. So what I do, I went and signed papers for a new house, brand new house they were building. It was still in the process of being built. And they approved it. They said it was okay. And then when they got the house built, Rhonda and I was talking about going to move. And word came to me that, no, I didn't qualify for it. That's, you can't run from it. I learned that you can't run from it, you know. People can run in other direction too easily nowadays. They can run away from it nowadays. They can run away from church. They can run away from from under the menace, under the preaching of the of the truth. But if if God gets a hold of you, you can't run. You can't run away from it. If God wants to call you, He's going to call you. He's not going to call someone else. If you don't believe that's so, someday if you make it and if you know who uh, uh, who Jonah is, just ask him. You know, I've heard this old thing, if you don't go, God will send somebody else. Didn't do that in Jonah's case. God called Jonah to go and preach at Nineveh, and he and Jonah said, I'm going to run from it. He can't, you can't run from it. See, this, this is what's amazing about this strange thing here, that Elisha, didn't try to run. Elisha came right in there and took over, and we'll learn more about that next week. We won't learn that much about it this week. We'll learn more about that this week, next week. 
But I'm going to say this. When the Holy Spirit comes upon the anointed, it is God's anointing. The Holy Spirit is not going to deal with anybody that God has not already picked out. You say, if we do we have anybody in here? And I don't want any hands. I'm not asking that type of question. But do we have anybody in here that is a non-elect? You know, you don't you don't you don't have to be concerned about God calling a non-elect because He's not going to call them. God knows where his lost sheep are, and he knows where to go find them when the time comes. March the 27, 1967, Brother Sam, and I know you've probably said the same thing, I wasn't a candidate to be a minister. We had sat across the street, us boys did, and threw rocks. In the, they left the, the church doors open because it was up there in Kentucky. They didn't, too many churches have air conditioning. They left the church doors open and us boys would throw rocks at the men, at the pastor. Rhonda's pastor. Us boys would throw rocks at him. No, stupid me. I stood up. I was one of the first ones stood up and said, I'll never do what he's doing. You see, you just don't know. If you're one of God's elect children, he's going to call you to salvation. If you're one of God's chosen as far as as a special uh, calling is, he's going to call you. And you're not going to get out of it. You, you're going to do it. Far too many people today can get away from it pretty easily. Jesus told his disciples, he said, and behold... I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Jesus told his disciples, he said, you stay right here. Don't, don't try to go out on your own. You stay right here, and when the time comes, God will endue you with power to go. And he will. I know that for a fact. You know, if you don't have the power of God driving you, you're not, you're not driving. The power of God must, must come up on a person. Just like the, just like Jesus told his disciples. He says, he said, don't try to go do anything now. He said, you wait until you, you're endued with the power of God before you move. A lot of people are trying to move without the power of God. Let, let, let me give you an example. Old Cain. You know, I, I heard a statement made one time several years ago. A statement made one time that if you, if, if, if God ever, uh, t- uh, if God ever turns on you, you'll never be successful. And a, and a subject was brought up about Cain. You know, Cain looked at himself and he said, I, 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 I'm a vagabond. He said, men will be seeking me out to enslave me. You know what happened to Cain? He became one of the greatest men in the world of his time. Cain owned cities. He owned countries. 
He was one of the greatest uh, 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 businessmen of his time. But that does away with the fact just because I'm successful that I'm, 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 with, I'm with God. That's not necessarily so. You know, we get this ideal, you know, if we're successful, then God is with us all along. That's not necessarily so. Not necessarily so because Cain, was he, he was cast out, cursed by God, but yet he became one of the wealthiest men of his time. So that does away with that. Jesus told his disciples of the promises, but he wanted them to wait until God's power was upon them. Elisha immediately left his oxen and ran after Elijah. The Bible says he ran after Elijah. As soon as, he, as soon as Elijah threw that mantle over him, he ran after Elijah from that day. So some somebody was working there. I mean, if somebody just come up and throw their overcoat over top of you, you're going to be wondering why they did something like that. But Elijah knew that God had called him. And Elisha knew that God had called him. Elijah knew that God was calling him. It's amazing how God works. Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He did not wait until more convenient season. I've heard that so many times. He didn't wait till a more convenient season or for a special event he had, that he had before scheduled. He had sowing to do. He was, he was, he was plowing the ground. He had sowing to do. Lord, I've got to wait a little while. I've got to get my seed in the ground. Lord, Lord, I, I make plans about this a long time ago. I can't go right now. I made plans about this a long time ago. I can imagine the people that every year, first of every year, you all know this, first of every year, I make a statement. I'll make it the first of the next month. That you know when we have our Bible conference. You know when we have our special services. Don't plan anything during those days, but people still do it. And when they don't come, I'll ask them, I'll say, how come you wasn't here? Oh, I had it planned a long time ago. Why do people do that? After you warn them and tell them, don't do that. Don't plan nothing during those times. Don't plan anything then. We have our revival the three days of Memorial Day weekend. I mean, our, our Bible conference. Don't plan anything then. We have our, we have our, uh, uh, meeting this year, the second week of and, and uh, of uh, December. We had the second week of December last year. I find, found that out. I didn't think we did, but we did. My wife corrected me on that one. But anyway, don't plan anything then. You know, it's, it's so easy to say that I planned this ahead of time. God doesn't, God doesn't say that, Lord. Well, I said that to come up on all this. If Elijah had 
not immediately followed Elijah, then he too may receive that startling question from Jehovah God. That question, the same question that he asked Elijah. What does thou hear, Elisha? He didn't do that, but he could have heard that same question. What's the problem, Elisha? Why? Again, I'm going to ask a question to each of you today. What does thou hear today? Why are we why why are we here today? Why are we in church today? There's a lot better things to be doing today than to be in God's house, as far as the world is concerned. We just got over Thanksgiving. Man, I tell you, we're still in the holiday. We're going to be in the holiday season until for this whole month. Until the end of the month, we're going to be in the holiday season. Man, there's a lot to do. Black Friday, Blue Monday, green this, red that, white that. Everything, everything's going to be going on for the next month. I'm sure you can find something that you want to do. But why would we do that when we know that God expects us to follow Him? The lesson we learn from this encounter is if we're following the Holy Spirit, following then, if we're following Him, then we must be willing to do the things he leads us to do, or we are as those who only speak words about salvation but know nothing about it. Listen, folks, if you're following the Lord, you're going to follow him. The man of God told Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 40 and verse 4, the man of God told Ezekiel, said, Son of man, behold with thine eyes. Hear with thine ears. And set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee. You know, one of the hardest things that was, Neil and I were talking about this, this uh, I think it was maybe Friday. We were talking about this. You know, it's hard to teach somebody that says they already know. It really is. It's hard to teach somebody that says they already know. I already know. I already know these things. Had a man come to me several years ago, and he said, uh, I've gone as far as I can go with you. He said, I've learned all the truths. I said, you haven't even begun to scratch the surface of the truths. But he said, I've learned all the truths I can learn. I've gone as far as I can go. Uh-uh. His life became a wreck, total wreck. I know this is somewhat may bother some people, but Elisha's question let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, then will I follow thee. 
Now you'll say, well, why did he want to do that? That was a tradition in that day that when you, when a, when a, when a man got ready to leave, don't say anything about a woman, but when a man got ready to leave, he'd always kiss his mother and his daddy before he left, expecting to possibly never be back. Expecting that possibly to never be back. That's why he did that. Because he was following the tradition of, of someone who was going to go do something <laughs> and was going to stay at it. He wasn't going to, he wasn't going to do it for a while and then give it up. He wanted to kiss his mom and daddy. Now I want to say this. This does not rise to the level of the statement that the man made when he told Christ, suffer me first to go and bury my father. That doesn't rise to that level. That doesn't rise to that level. Jesus rebuked him for saying that. Jesus rebuked him. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. He said, I'm more important than your father. Kissing one's parents while they, while they're, while they're alive is a commandment for honoring one's father and mother. But burying them is not. You always honor your father and mother. Now what if your father and mother wants to go against what you're doing like my mom did? What happens there? I still honored her as my mother. I just let her know that she shouldn't have done what she, she shouldn't be like that. Honoring one's father and mother is a righteous thing. That's a righteous thing to do. We might wonder why he killed his oxen and cooked them and fed them to the people. Well, I told you that answer this morning. He didn't plan on going back to the field and plowing anymore. Giving up. I'll never forget Brother Winston. Before I baptized him, he called his mom and daddy. And he told them, he says, I'm going to give up everything the Catholic Church teaches. I'm going to be baptized into a Baptist church. Winston didn't plan on going back to the Baptist church. I mean back to the Catholic church. He didn't plan on going back, so he called and told him he's going to give that up. You know, what would be the difference if Winston had gone around told all his partying friends, I'm not going to party with you anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go these places with you. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that anymore because it's not right for me to do it. It's not right for me to drink and dance and carry on and go, go into the bars and everything like that. But we got Christians today that wouldn't dare do anything like that. First time some friend comes along and says, let's go here, let's go there. Bam, they gone. 
They were like I was when me and Ron and I first got married. And old boys come around, Brother Sam, I'd jump in the car with them and leave. Leave my little young wife there at home. Yeah, we did that. This was a definite show that that he took the call of Jehovah God seriously. He did not intend to go a while and maybe not like what God would have him do and go back to farming. Elisha knew when this call came, it was going to be for the rest of his life. Just like when I got the call to the ministry, that's for the rest of my life. What's funny, Neil? <laughs> yeah, you can't. She likes to try to get back at me. A lot, a lot do go back because they don't like what they must do for the Lord. Just like old brother Bob Hogan, they said, what do you do? They, they heard old brother Bob Hogan give a testimony that uh, he, he attended a class that I taught at the seminary. And he, he got up one, uh, one day and gave his testimony. And he gave his testimony. He said he don't do the things he used to do. He told everything he used to do. He was a black fellow. He told everything he used to do. And all the places he used to go, and one of the uh, students in the class said, well, what do you do for fun? He said, I serve the Lord. He got up and gave that testimony. I led old Brother Bob Hogan back to the Lord, or to the Lord, a year or two before that. He said, I serve the Lord. He said, that, that's as much fun as I want. That's as much joy as I want. I've told people very much some of my greatest joys is be right back there in that little room studying. Some of my greatest joys. Be back right there in that room studying. A lot do go back because they don't like what the Lord has for them to do. I know this to be true because I've seen it, seen it too many times over the years. All right, let's form a circle and we'll, we'll have prayer and we'll leave.